0: Psychic call shop. I'm Ace tonight, and, and of course, with me in my co-host seat tonight is the techie with most. It's Techie Joe. How you doing, darling?
1: Hey, I'm doing okay. You're alive. I'm alive.
0: Yeah. We will talk about that either later on the show or on the barista chat. We will see. But oh, you're
1: yeah. alive. Ah, let's save it for the barista chat. That'll be fun.
0: Yep. So, there we go. So you so, have this stories board of articles choose which one you would like to cover first
1: oh let's go with the the like most like oh sad article okay oh so from the independent why were cable news hosts tucker carlson and don lemon ousted at fox news the conservative culture warrior tucker carlson is out after dominating the channel's primetime lineup lineup for more than a decade So two media industry bombshells went off within minutes of each other on Monday, April 24th, with two of the biggest names in the cable news business abruptly leaving their respective perches. At Fox News, the conservative culture warrior Tucker Carlson is out after dominating the channel's primetime lineup for more than half a decade. Um, At CNN, morning host Don Lemon's tenure came to a sudden end despite his years as the face of the network's New Year's Eve celebration coverage. Although it was a shocking day of shakeups for the news business compounded by the news late last week that Pulitzer winning newsroom uh, BuzzFeed News was being shuttered by its owners. We'll have some more on that in a minute. But why exactly did two of the most prominent and well-paid hosts in TV news leave the helm at what seems like the height of their careers? Don Lemon, while the reasoning isn't yet totally clear in Lemon's case, one thing is certain, his exit from CNN was involuntary. The longtime host revealed in a tweeted statement that he has been fired with company management declining to inform him personally. CNN has not commented on the reasoning publicly either. In his statement, Lemon wrote that he was stunned to learn of his termination and thanked his colleagues at the networks for an incredible run. Shortly after his tweet, Lemon's face and name had been scrubbed from the list of anchors and hosts on CNN's website. The ex-CNN host didn't speculate on the exact reason for his firing, while only suggesting that there were larger issues at play. But his ouster and preceding suspension came in the aftermath of comments he made on air about Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina and current candidate for the 2024 GOP nomination. Describing the ex-UN ambassador under Donald Trump as past her prime, the former CNN host suggested that Republican voters would not latch on to the theme of new leadership in Washington, which Ms. Haley's campaign has promoted as her run for the White House began. Lemon also had a contentious exchange on the issues of race and gun control with Republican presidential candidate uh, Vivek Ramsway. In recent days, during which he could be seen telling off his producers for interrupting him, the entire exchange reportedly caused consternations with CNN's leadership. Insiders told the New York Times that the incident left several CNN leaders exasperated. Earlier this month, Lemon was also accused of mistreating multiple female colleagues throughout his career at CNN. So multiple current or former employees told Variety about instances where the popular host had been inappropriate towards his female coworkers, including Nancy Grace, Soledad O'Brien, and Kira Phillips, his former co-anchor on CNN's Live From. Lemon's rep responded to the report by describing it as a 15-year-old anonymous gossip, while CNN said that it had been unable to uh, corroborate the alleged uh, accounts. Um, There was also said to be off-air tensions between Lemon and co-anchor Caitlin Collins following an incident where he had allegedly accused her of interrupting him. In his statement on Monday, Lemon wrote that at no time was he ever given any indication that he would not return to normal duties at CNN as a result of the comments or any other reasons. CNN pushed back on Lemon's version of events, however. Don Lemon's statement about this morning's events is inaccurate. He was offered an opportunity to meet with management, but instead released a statement on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Tucker Carlson, uh, the case of Fox's most popular host is a fascinating one. While the terms of his departure are not yet clear, thanks to a vague statement released by the network explaining the two parties had agreed to part ways, it appears likely that uh, Carlson and uh, his executive producer, Justin Wells, exits were at least in part a direct result of the network's seven hundred and eighty seven point five million dollar settlement with Dominion voting system. Uh announced- well now let's see. Um <laughs> our owner, you told people to drink
0: bleach to get rid of COVID. Tucker yeah, Carlson. You not Carlson. To wear a mask. You possibly should be drawn up on federal charges that I'm sure your your um what is it journalism protects you from doing so over January 6th. And hello, Lady Gwen. Happy Tuesday to you. What you
1: drinking? Happy Tuesday, Lady Gwen. Um, So while the trial was avoided, court filings in the lead-up proved embarrassing for the network, outlining how Carlson and other top hosts promoted 2020 election conspiracies on their shows while privately disagreeing with them in messages. But beyond that, filings also revealed Carlson made negative comments about Fox's bosses Calling them incompetent liberals. Executives were angry about Carlson's disparaging and derogatory remarks about them, according to the Wall Street Journal. The Los Angeles Times reported shortly after the initial news of Carlson's firing emerged that the boot came directly at the behest of Fox Corp chairman Rupert Murdoch. Vanity Fair reported that the announcement came as a shock to Carlson, who was in the middle of contract negotiations to extend his tenure through 2029. He then received a sudden phone call from CEO Susan Scott on Monday morning telling him he had been fired. The outlet further reported that Carlson has told colleagues that he believes the reason to be linked to a supposed desire by the Murdoch family to sell the company. Other reports have indicated his exit had more to do with the Fox News ongoing lawsuit brought by producer Abby Grossberg, a suit which heavily features Carlson. Carlson had dominated the network's primetime lineup as the anchor of its highest-rated show since 2016, when The O'Reilly Factor host, Bill O'Reilly, left the channel under a cloud of news about settlements the network had reached with women who accused him of sexual misconduct. Carlson's embrace of misinformation outright lies about the 2020 election and Dominion machines, as well as those of the Trump campaign who promoted them, were cited in the embarrassing discovery phase of the Dominion suit as an example of how Fox hosts were spreading claims that they themselves knew to be untrue in the weeks after the election. The move appeared to be very sudden, given that Fox promos were running throughout Monday morning, advertising the day's upcoming episode, featuring an interview with Republican candidate Vivek Ramasway, Up until the moment the network announced his departure. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Bye bye. Ouch. Well, you know, Tucker
0: Carlson is the one that, ooh, tea and vodka. That's a lovely drink over ice. If it's cold, if it's hot, I would suggest some honey to it. Um, but Tucker Carlson, you know, has been, he made history. For those that do not know, Tucker Carlson did make history. He has now been fired from every major cable news situation.
1: Really? yes
0: oh fired. poor tucker
1: like i can feel bad for that like god knows yeah that's gotta suck yeah
0: maybe you should members? go over to i don't know news nation or something but then you'd have to learn how to be a real reporter oh
1: sorry guys i think i dropped out there for a second you did Welcome back. All right. Oh well, that sucks for tar, uh, Tucker Carlson being fired that many times. Maybe we can keep him off the air now. However, you know I understand
0: Boise, Idaho is currently needing a news anchor.
1: Might be good for. Oh, you. couldn't we give him weatherman? Can can someone hire him as a weatherman? Like I don't want him to be unemployed, but like, can we get a weatherman position for Tucker?
0: Well, I wasn't thinking weather, man. I was thinking maybe have him over in, I don't know, the corner box somewhere, reporting on sports. Can you see Tucker Carlson trying to ad-lib the Little League report from (laughs) Easy Idaho?
1: Oh, you know it's going to be bad, though.
0: Yeah, it's going to be bad. Like,
1: he'll turn it into something. As in, if he were doing that Little League news report, he is going to make some drama. Mm-hmm. He's going to make some drama. Right. Like, he just can't. Not. Sorry. Oh, goodness. Hey, Shannon. Good evening, Shannon. What you drinking? Right. So, which one? Oh, well, uh, do we have our in-between?
0: Um, We do. All right, so it's my turn to choose from the pot. Yes. Yes. Let's talk BuzzFeed. Yes, BuzzFeed.
1: Oh, BuzzFeed News will shut down. Um, this is from CNN Business. So BuzzFeed News, the poll's surprise-winning digital news website that took the internet by storm roughly a decade ago and inspired jealousy from legacy media organizations, will shutter. BuzzFeed Chief Executive Jonah Peretti announced Thursday the move was part of the broader layoffs across BuzzFeed, Peretti said in a memo to staffers, with the company moving to slash 15% of its workforce or 180 employees. While layoffs are occurring across nearly every division, we've determined that the company can no longer continue to fund BuzzFeed News as a standalone organization, Peretti told staffers. BuzzFeed has begun discussions with News Guild, the union which represents staffers at the company, about the actions. Preddy, who addressed the emotional newsroom for nearly an hour on Thursday morning, indicated that some staffers might be able to find roles at HuffPost, the digital news website that BuzzFeed acquired in a 2020 deal. HuffPost and BuzzFeed.com have signaled that they will open a number of select roles for members of, Buzz- of BuzzFeed News, Paretti told employees. Those, uh, these roles will be aligned with those divisions' business goals and match the skills and strengths of many of BuzzFeed's news editors and reporters. Moving forward, we will have a single news brand in HuffPost, which is profitable with a ro- loyal direct front page audience, Peretti added. While jarring, the news was not particularly surprising. Years ago, BuzzFeed invested vast sums of money into its news product, approaching top journalists from legacy newsrooms, and opening bureaus across the world, but the company in recent years has moved away from that approach, dramatically slimming down its newsroom. The news that BuzzFeed News will shutter prompted an outpouring of messages posted online from former BuzzFeed News staffers who expressed sadness and dismay. What a ferocious travesty and a huge loss to journalism. John Bukowski, a Forbes executive editor and former BuzzFeed News journalist, wrote on Twitter, Kate Nocera, an Axios editor and former bureau chief at BuzzFeed News, noted that the news was a long time coming, but said it still stings. Ben Smith, founding editor-in-chief who left the outlet years ago and co-founded the digital upstart Semaphore, told CNN that he is heartsick about the news. I do think it makes really clear the relationship between news publishers and social media is pretty much over, Smith added. Alluding to the fact that BuzzFeed's growth was powered by the sudden growth of platforms such as Facebook and Twitter a decade ago. Peretti said in his memo to staffers that the economic environment had played a role in the moves announced Thursday, but he also took part of the blame. I also want to be clear, I could have managed these changes better as the CEO of this company and our leadership team could have performed better despite these circumstances, Peretti said. I made the decision to overinvest in BuzzFeed News because I love their work and mission so much, he added. This made me slow to accept that the big platforms wouldn't provide the distribution or financial support required to support premium free journalism purpose-built for social media. Freddie said that broadly speaking, he regretted that he didn't hold the company to higher standards for profitability to give us the buffer needed to manage through economic and industry downturns and avoid painful days like today. Our mission, our impact on culture and our audience is what matters most, Freddie said, but we need a stronger business to protect and sustain this important work. A spokesperson for BuzzFeed News told CNN that there were ongoing discussions about the future of the outlet's website, but said that all the work will be archived and available after the newsroom shutters. BuzzFeed announced in January that it will use artificial intelligence to create contents for its website. That announcement sent its stock spiking more than 150% before it ultimately fell back down to where it was, reflecting the broader uncertainty in the industry. Thursday's announcement of layoffs and the shuttering of BuzzFeed News also sent the company's already dangerously low stock down another 20%. Edgar Hernandez, Chief Revenue Officer, and Christian Basler, Chief Operating Officer, will depart as part of the company's changes, Peretti also said on Thursday. Marcella Martin, President, would take on the responsibility for all revenue functions effective immediately. BuzzFeed is not the only news organization facing struggles. Nearly every major news, media, and technology company has announced layoffs in recent months. Insider on Thursday, for instance, said it will lay off approximately 10% of its staff, telling employees in a memo that the economic headwinds that have hurt many of our clients and partners are also affecting us.
0: Interesting. Really interesting. and I think it's a breaking of the times,
1: sadly. Um, I I really want to say, though, that I, I... Think, like I blame Donald Trump. I'm sorry I do. Mm-hmm. Like the the I think we uh, that, that what Buzzfeed thought would happen would have happened,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but not for all the fake news that, that was generated that that became such a problem for platforms right. having to monitor and control what was appearing in news feeds to try to keep from providing massive onslaughts of misinformation right so effectively my theory mm-hmm. is my blame is that you know but not for donald trump and his efforts to use misinformation and propaganda to do everything from get the secure the presidency to try to keep it on january 6th right pretty much led to in this direction that if we were talking about platforms not having to invest staff and resources into monitoring those you know news postings Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have this right we would have a buzzfeed that continues we would have a better um integration between social media and news and information
0: right and I think it would be very interesting and I think the social media kind of took both feedback from but I also remember like some of their videos they done of, go, of you know mystery investigations and that type of thing it's scary a networks closing but AI written news not for me
1: I don't know I'm not opposed okay like AR writing is getting better True, but I'm
0: still questioning AI's ability. Now, granted, I've played with AI. It's quite interesting. Yeah. I may find it useful later.
1: Well, as long as they're using AI to write it and not to just totally relying on AI to completely post it, be an editor, be a whole news staff, I'm good with that. We had issues years ago when we tried to have sites just like news aggregators that were just grabbing everything right and if you provide the same kind of inputs to ai uncontrolled um you're gonna get the same thing which is these kind of echo chambers of false information stories that appear in a lot of places dominating right and just the same thing we're facing with facebook
0: yeah
1: It's all right. Uh, what's up next?
0: Now well, we're going to take a sip, and I think you need to go to the last link there. All right.
1: Ooh, from Glam. Is there any validity to TikTok tarot readers? Spoiler alert, probably not. If you happen to be a fan of TikTok's occult communities like Twitch Talk, you've likely stumbled upon your fair share of self-proclaimed psychics, mediums, and tarot readers on the app. Many of these readers offer generalized readings for tips during live videos, while they advise the crowd to ignore anything that doesn't resonate. Encouragement to engage with the video in order to claim each tidbit of fate is common, which works to put more similar tarot reading videos in front of the viewer via the infamous TikTok algorithm. If you've ever been tempted to tune in for a live mass tarot reading or have already taken a reader's advice about where to find your twin flame, you may be wondering whether there is any validity to these online readings. In most cases, the answer is a clear no. However, it isn't quite that simple. Here's everything you need to know about what to look for in a TikTok tarot reader. TikTok tarot reader red flags. When you set out to find a tarot reader on any platform or even in person, it's important that you first assess what is driving your interest in preparing for a tarot card reading. Predatory readers take advantage of those who are desperate for otherworldly answers. If you, are re- if you recently experienced a traumatic event like the death of a loved one or the abrupt ending of a long-term relationship and you're still reeling from the loss, you're at high risk of falling victim to a reader who is willing to tell you whatever you want to hear for money or clout. Fraudulent tarot readers rely heavily on the belief that you're, you aren't in control of your own destiny. Their readings will focus on predicting the future and revealing your fate. Since romantic love is a major pain point for so many people, many of these readers specialize in love and or relationship readings. Rather than focusing on what you can do to make yourself open and ready for a relationship, they will claim to be able to give you hints at the identity of your soulmate or twin flame. A reader who presents tarot as a magical way to predict the future is one you should avoid. Uh TikTok tarot reader Green Flag. If you're approaching tarot as a way to seek guidance on how to approach a challenging situation with a mindset that fosters growth and acceptance, you're more likely to be drawn to an ethical reader. This is as true on TikTok as it is in person or anywhere else online. A reputable online tarot reader will typically offer personal one on one readings through an official website, in addition to the generalized readings they offer their community on social media. Madam Adam, for example, offers a variety of different types of personal readings on his website in addition to multiple weekly live events on both TikTok and Instagram plus tarot reading classes. Another sign that a tarot reader is offering their readings in good faith is encouraging you to learn to interpret the cards yourself. The only person who can truly know uh, know how the meaning of the card applies to your life is you. A genuine reader is invested in your success and won't feel threatened by your interest in learning to read for yourself. Look for readers who use the cards as tools for getting in touch with your own intuition rather than for mystical fortune telling. And you'll find those who seek to guide rather than abuse. Ooh, that's a good article.
0: I like that one. I like
1: that one. Yeah,
0: I like that one too. I really do. All right. Now, we do have some sad news in the tarot community. Um, I'm sure most of you will not remember writer Rachel Pollock, who reimagined the practice of tarot. She died at 77. Um, science fiction comic book writer, Richard Perlock who died April 7th at age 77, transformed the tarot in the practice, once dismissed as an ethical parlor trick, into the meanings, the connections that felt personal, political, and rooted in the community. Where you're trying to break the tarot free from it, what has, it's been and open up a whole new way of being, uh, Pollock said in 2019's interview with the Master of Tarot. Her 1980's book, 78 Degrees of Wisdom, was the name of the number of cards in the tarot deck in it Pollock explored the architects that are hidden that hadn't been updated since early in the 1400s based on the rigid gender class stereotypes traditional tarot left little space for reinterpretation Pollock reimagined it through the lenses of feminism saw it to a path to the of the divine shared a book to explore severance the old tarot and even created a deck of her own the shining tribe tarot which is a cute cute deck i had it at one time if you guys are using any meanings of the classical rider weight version it is Pollock's version you are using um i know my definitions are based on hers mm-hmm. um you know so yeah kind of like We've lost another founder, but this founder is in the terror world.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's very sad that she's passed. Mm-hmm. She
0: authored more than 40 books that across seven gen- generations. Her science fiction novel, uh, Godmother Night, and Unique Fire One World Fantasy. And author uh, C. Clarke Rewards, <laughs> roughly, <laughs> respectively, the book's temporary agency um was nominated for a novella her fiction debuted in uh, the combined goddess worship and reservations the words she created were both gracefully blee and deeply spiritual um a refuge from weirdos without shame so yeah we've lost another founder of 77 and that's that's hard news
1: it is but it does mostly uh, one should take that as she she did everything she could yep. everything she was meant to do mm-hmm. and she has left a legacy that will that is undoubtable like, right.
0: but here we are see 40 some years later mm-hmm. and it's time i think it's time for a terror revolution
1: Okay, what's a terror revolution? Like, tell me what we're doing.
0: Well, you know, a letter will be received is kind of not accurate anymore.
1: Look for an email. Look for an email. Actually, actually, the other day it was so interesting. I was reading a thing that was pointing out that, like, you can tell some uh, someone's age. Because uh-huh. there's now a divider line. Uh-huh. There's the Email generations and then there is the like messenger generations like saying yeah. you're going to email someone immediately pegs you as well over 30 right well so then,
0: but no i'll
1: send you a card oh yes yeah but that that pegs you as well past death <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> i like being ancient Oh, come on, how many people send cards?
0: I'm going to get back into that. Fair enough, fair enough, I'm just saying. Yeah, so there's a new social media and we'll be talking about that after the break.
1: Awesome.
2: Hey everybody, Lady Gwendolyn here from Rowan Temple of Light and I'm here to tell you about our events this summer. First up is Beltane in the Hills, May 13th, and that is from 1 to 6. We have entertainment, we have a bunch of vendors, we have a fairy photo shoot, it's going to be exciting. If you having any questions, uh, reach out to Earth Magic or to myself. Um, after that, we have uh, Central West Virginia Pagan Pride, August 19th, that's at Holly Gray Park from 11 to 5 for the day. And we will have Sarah Masters coming down from Pittsburgh to be our keynote speaker. We have some great classes for that. So if you want to get involved, reach out to Rowan Temple of Light at Gmail or just follow us along on Facebook at Rowan Temple of Light. And we look forward to seeing you out in the community. See you there.
0: Welcome back, Goblins. My name is Jason, and I am the host of the Esoteric Book Club, a podcast that examines titles on the magical, paranormal, the mysterious, and the strange. I release two episodes a month in which I review books on esoteric topics, recap news of the weird, and conduct interviews with authors, practitioners, and experiencers. The Esoteric Book Club can be found on every major podcast service, or can be streamed directly from esotericbookclub.org. Hi, I'm Asa Knight. I provide tarot readings covering everything from love and relationships to your life questions and you spiritual answers. And also I provide a lot of guidance and finances and divorces and all those relationship problems. So If you'd like to get a reading from me privately, not on air, you can feel free to do so by visiting aceandnight.com and booking your appointment. I also provide on-demand services, so if your life is a little chaotic, you can go ahead and click that call now button there on my site. It'll connect you to Keen, and if you've not been with Keen before, you'll get three free minutes to talk with me, so that's great for a quick answer question. All right, guys, back to the show. Enjoy. Bye, y'all.
3: Hi, I'm Tracy Van. I provide a blended reading consisting of mediumship, psychic, and tarot cards. A reading from me can cover any guidance you need from relationships with your partner or your family, spiritual, financial, any questions you may need clarity on. If you would like to book an appointment with me, check out my website, tracyvan.com. That's T R A C Y v-a-n-n dot com i have bookings from 15 to 60 minutes you may choose from that helps if you just have a quick question need an answer or if you're looking for a reading in more depth i'm here to provide the guidance and clarity for you uh let's just figure it out bye
0: all right welcome back welcome back so there's a new social media taken. Well, it's been designed
1: interestingly. I will give it that. Yeah, so Moonlight is a social platform for tarot readings. Check out the latest project from Daniel Baskin, the talented happy mutant behind Branded Fruit, a face ID masks, blue check homes, and more. A product designer, situation designer, and visual artist, Danielle has a knack for crafting innovative experiences. Her latest creation, Moonlight, is a social platform for live tarot readings. I got a reading on Moonlight through a live demo, and it was spectacular. There are five decks to choose from, including the classic Rider Waite with more promise. There are also five spreads to choose from, so lots of variety in play. If you're into tarot, give it a look. This is what Danielle shared with us about the inspiration behind creating Moonlight. When I was working on my voice chat app, Dial-Up, a few years ago, I hosted a tarot topic that connected hundreds of tarot enthusiasts serendipitously in one-on-one weekly calls. People would take turns giving each other a reading, often talking for hours. Those calls were really inspiring. But since it was audio only, we couldn't experience the visual artwork of each other's decks together, which is such a big part of tarot. So I kept imagining an interface for an immersive tarot experience that would combine live video with virtual decks where you can look at the artwork up close, read the deck creator's notes, and move around the cards together, and nothing like this existed. I've also been into tarot for 15 years, and along the way I've met so many amazing readers, deck artists, writers, and teachers. And when I shared my vision for a Social Tarot platform with fellow enthusiasts, their excitement confirmed that I should pursue it. Then within the last three years, tarot's popularity really exploded too. There's thousands of beautiful modern decks, uh, tarot is emerging as a professional field, and many newcomers are looking for places to learn. So I wanted to build a platform for both beginners and seasoned enthusiasts to deepen their practice and connect with others and build tools for enthusiasts to find professional services, whether that's finding the right reader for them, joining a tarot class or discovering deck art that resonates. This led me to build Moonlight and I found really awesome collaborators to join last fall. We are focused on creating an online home for tarot as a collaborative exploratory and playful experience. This also solves a need for professional readers who work with clients remotely. On Zoom, you can't shuffle the same deck and the clients can't see the artwork that closely. So, Moonlight introduces more immersion and magic for professional sessions.
0: And yes, I will be checking this out. This looks amazing. I think it'll be fun. I may even start hosting a tarot room because, okay, this is like coming full nitro circle. For me, because for those that don't know, back in dial-up era, i.e. Yahoo Chatland, I hosted Aslan's Night Castle. Me and uh, my former uh, manager would run a fucking Yahoo chat room and give readings. This is where I improved my speed, my connection, my fastness. This is where mm-hmm. I probably developed shotgun terror reading and eat what I've now termed the ER psychic reading. So this looks like it's going to be cool.
1: And you can find that at moon, uh, well, no, I'm having trouble. world. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not world. Okay. Okay. Moonlight.world. Yeah. Hey, nice. you don't see many of the, uh, the, uh, of those, right? So I'm kind of interested. I always like seeing websites. Mm-hmm. Oh no, we may have crashed them. <laughs> I've just tried to go and I can't get there.
0: Um, I'm in the middle of actually san- si- signing up.
1: Okay. Uh, uh, I
0: grab my, my short bio.
1: <laughs> oh. Talk about hot off the presses. That is hot off the presses. Yes.
0: Like that, let's see if this fits in there. If I'm going to go to the. Um, see. Ooh. It is a pretty sight. Yes. Yeah, this is kind of nice. So you can have up to six people explore our beautiful decks, video and audio included.
1: hate when you find the continue with Google at the last possible second.
0: Yeah, I don't like continue with Google.
1: (laughs) Welcome to Moonlight. Choose any that describe you. I'm a hobbyist and want to dive deeper. I'm new to tarot and want to explore. I'm a professional tarot reader with clients. I'm a deck creator. Okay, I definitely haven't done the last one, but I don't know which one to hit. Um new to tarot new to tarot okay like i'm sorry i've said through your class enough times i should have my professional tarot line <laughs> certificate and just like <laughs> All right. uh i'm teasing
0: right okay so i actually have to choose an, okay so i'm gonna bring this up on screen sorry I'm having fun you're fine this could be the new world oh
1: nice nice nice
0: well if you're still in the room what are you thinking on seeing this all right so my personal is the Seven of Wands, taking on opportunities and beating themselves up. The obstacle is my own self-doubt, and my solution is remembering my family.
1: Mm -hmm. And you should be able to click on each card and get more detail. Yeah, I can actually look at it. Oh, there you go.
0: Yeah, and like the shorthands over here for those that need it, how cool. Oh, very nice. very cool very cool I don't know what do you think about me hosting
1: a room over here I think that's kind of cool yeah I'm about it I noticed it doesn't seem to give you easy ways to like find people like I'm not seeing an no. easy way to search or connect with people you
0: you, you can do it you gotta get
1: invited up. yep
0: okay like this may be a barista only thing
1: Ooh, Baristas, how do you feel about joining uh, up on Moonlight.World? Oh, that's gorgeous.
0: Then shuffling. This is a deck I do not have never seen. Um, that's a three. Give me... Change Sprouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, coffee
4: crawls.
1: <sighs> so Shannon thinks it's cute.
0: Ten of Pentacles, dealing with money. The heart of the matter is... Eight of Pentacles, you can invest in becoming more skilled and knowledgeable in our craft. We engage in our labors of love. Duh. (laughs) Two of Pentacles, yep, we've been balancing bills. The future is justice. Balance, must find balance the situation is the lessons of the past may have hardened our hearts, but not everyone carries daggers behind their backs. We can risk becoming too sen- uh, sensitive and the lacking commitment. If Ooh, this is nice. This is Ooh. real nice. And this, guys, this
1: is with an unfamiliar deck.
0: Yeah, I don't know this deck. Queen of Pentacles. Ooh, that's a beautiful deck. Ew, the fear is the Four of Wands. It is time to sell for a celebration. I hope more hope for a celebration. We enjoy harmony, peace, and happiness. That would be nice. Ten of mm-hmm. Cups. You are unable to enjoy your success as fully as you would have liked to. Try to enjoy what you have and uh, do not take for granted possible conflict with family. Duh, that's daily, or friends. Oh, please, hourly. Try to respect- Wow!
1: Sorry. Did anyone get the license plate of that boss? Because <laughs> all I heard was <laughs> <laughs> possible conflict with family. Well, that happens daily. Wait. <laughs> Ouch.
0: Okay. This is cool. This is cool. Very likely. What they are on Tiki Tok, yes, they are entering the room. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, we're gonna stop sharing, we will come back and play.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shannon, at least Mercury retrograde isn't saying is insane. up. Bitch? Oh, Shannon. Yeah. Uh, Mercury retrograde has been saying, What's up, bitch, for about, oh, I don't know, 48 hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just wait till tomorrow night. You have to be a barista to understand the bullshit that it will go down in the uh, barista station meeting tomorrow night. <clears throat> you don't want to miss it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've noticed. You might, wa- might have noticed some things, but not all.
1: <laughs> oh she says everyone at work is fucking grumpy yeah and other things too yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah all right so uh let's take a sip and which article you want next um let's go to lottery wing psychic all right all right so out of luck man won fortune on two billion dollar lottery after or two billion pound lottery after psychic shock prediction but cruel twist means he'll never touch the weddings so a man who won an incredible prize and a two billion dollar pound lottery never got to spend any of it due to a cruel twist of fate Retired miner Jesus Martinez, 88, won $1.07 million in the Spanish Christmas lottery on December 22nd. Um, Jesus had claimed a fortune teller predicted he would one day become a millionaire, and eventually it came true. However, Martinez tragically died just four months after his massive win, having never been able to spend any of his newfound fortunes. In December of last year, Jesus had trusted his instincts and won his prize of 1.07 million, 1.2 million euros, with his lucky numbers 05490 in Christmas El Gordo draw in Madrid. The $2 festive draw, uh, uh, draw has been held annually in the country since 1812 and is famous for turning Spaniards, as well as lucky Brits, into millionaires overnight lotto chiefs paid out the huge win in installments and jesus had only had enough time to receive his first three installments he had deposited the first two installments in his bank account but it's currently unclear what jesus did with the third lot although some reports suggest he gave it away one of his friends who has not been named said unfortunately he only had four months to enjoy the large prize his friend said that Jesus often said that a gypsy woman had read his cards and predicted he, that he would be a millionaire. This way, uh, why he this was why he always played the lotto, he claimed. The former miner had also been awarded a gold badge from his city council in Aller for his dedication to helping those in the municipality. Jesus's cause of death has not been reported is uncertain what will happen to the rest of his winnings, which has yet to be fully paid out. Elsewhere, a Euro Millions winner, who was just 17 when she scooped the jackpot, says she still hasn't spent all her winnings, but she does have one regret. Meanwhile, a lucky man has scooped a third jackpot lottery prize in under 11 months from hedging his bets on the exact same numbers. Oh, I feel bad for the guy. Like, and that's one of those you got to have appreciation. Uh huh. (laughs) Because okay, now he okay. So the 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 uh, fortune teller, the psychic uh, that gave uh, that predicted this, did not give him the numbers. These were his lucky numbers.
0: Yes. And uh, a reminder, Asen does not predict lottery. He does also right. does not predict lightning. He is a
1: US based psychic. Well, and here's the thing there. Here's the thing, though. Um, she said at some point he would win, and this man held on to the uh-huh. very end. And he did win. Uh-huh. <laughs> Never ever did that psychic say you'd get to enjoy it. Well, we don't know the full prediction.
0: I'm just saying. Okay. But it's the other side of this coin, mm-hmm. you know, I will be honest, timing is the hardest fucking thing for a psychic to read. Because it doesn't exist. It is not in your file. Your file basically looks like a journal of to-dos and interactions and everything else. Highlighted by your life lessons, which no one ever wants to know what the life lesson is, or they get really confused with the life lesson. I.e., you're dating this man because you decided you wanted to learn patience this life, so you are learning patience. (laughs) You know what's not in there? Lottery numbers. You know what else isn't in there? Active events that you choose, because guess what? You planned the trip. You did not plan what you were eating for breakfast tomorrow. True.
1: True, true. Well, and like any trip, it can go
0: sideways. Well, that's why you have backup plans and now, you know, most people have multiple lives and all that fun stuff that can get in there. But I think it's just uh, part of it, I think, is sweet. The other part of it, I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Not like, dude, poor dude. Poor dude you know your life oh yeah your but who knows when this prediction was given 20 years ago 30 years ago
1: 40 years ago um yeah it doesn't really clarify that i'm just sitting here going i'm sure he died happy though right like he had like he he, he got the prediction supposedly you know like that he he claimed it at least right Um, and, and he has been dedicated and he has, you know, like, do me a favor, buy a fucking lottery ticket. You know, the old joke goes, um, he did, yeah he did. Um, so he did all the things and he got the thing and I'm sure that it, it brought him a lot of comfort, even if he didn't really get to spend it. Right. So I, I, I call that a happy story. I call it a happy
0: oh, story. I call it a sweet story, but I. It's just a little re- bittersweet. It's bittersweet, it's bit. but I just want to reanimate and reinfer. I don't do that.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, but still, it, it's kind of a cute story. It is. Here's a I mean, because he was eighty-eight. Yeah. I mean, 88 year old dies is not normally a new, you know, breaking news. Um, and but for this win, he probably would have just gotten his little obituary in the paper and, you know, would have been a retired miner. And right. a few people knew him and really appreciated him and the things he did for his community. And that would have been that. But instead, right. we're talking about him. I'm sure others around the world are talking about him. Oh, I bet they are. I'm sure that would give the little old man a smile.
0: Well, I think it would. But I also think, I just, you know, the faith in this dude. Yes. Okay. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, that he got a prediction at a younger age. And just say at a young age. Mm-hmm. And he had all the prediction.
1: Did the things.
0: Mm -hmm. So, that's kind of cool. Alright, now this one I'm a little bit nervous about. Oh dear. Let's cover the goat.
1: Wait, let's cover the goat. Yes, the psychic goat. Oh, I hold on. I gotta go grab that one. Sorry, I thought we were up for a next one. We are up for
0: the next one. It's the New York Post, the psychic goat.
1: Okay, just one second. I'm trying to locate. I've lost it. All right, resending. All right, thank you. Ah, there it is.
0: Oh, There's so many things wrong with this story, but it's hilarious. I don't normally feature readers I do not know. However, I'm featuring... I'm sure you
1: know goats. a lot of old goats.
0: I do know a lot of old goats. <laughs> Close <laughs> to being an old goat.
1: So a psychic goat makes royal predictions about Meghan, Harry, and William, and we're not just talking about an old goat. We are talking about a literal goat. So you heard it here first, says the New York Post. A goat named Billy can purportedly predict the future using tarot cards, and he's got some bad news for the British royal family. The six-year-old animal...
0: Pardon? Let's take his predictions on one by one, but talk about the six-year-old goat.
1: All right. The six-year-old animal performed a reading relating to the royals, declaring that Prince Harry and Prince William will not make amends at their father's upcoming coronation. Billy has I been agree. forecasting. Yeah, Billy has been forecasting the future for four years, and his owner, Sue Zacharias describes the pet's predictions as spookily accurate. A person who wants to know the answer to a question must first pet Billy for several minutes before presenting him with tarot cards, according to Zacarius. Oh, <laughs> i have tarot cards especially for animals so he will choose a card with his mouth the eccentric owner explained i think eccentric is being generous but southwest news service paid a visit to billy in jedburgh scotland monday to ask a series of questions about the royal family first they wanted to know whether warring william and henry would call a truce in their ongoing feud they presented the goat with yes and no cards before billy hesitated a couple of minutes and ultimately chose no right and
0: I don't think they make a, a really make amends for at least five years and oh, it will well, not we... be around a family event oh yes they'll do it all privately.
1: ah all right next prediction of Billy but while harry won't be happy with his brother billy believes the future looks bright with wife Meghan markle when asked whether the wayward royal will stay with markle the goat chose the yes card with his mouth the post reached out to reps oh, for the sussex
0: actually i think they will but i also think she goes back to work we will see the princess Meghan markle in some type of film
1: Ah. Okay. Let's move on. The post reached out to reps for the Sussexes and Kensington Palace for further comment. Uh Zacharias, who is working as an animal who is working as an animal trainer on Ridley Scott's next movie, told Southwest News Service that her grandmother was a talented fortune teller who would read tea leaves for women whose husbands were at war in the 1940s. She passed on her gift of being able to predict the future to her family members and their pets. Prior to owning Billy, Zacharias had another goat who was also able to foresee the future. After that animal died, her friend gave her Billy, who is the size of a Shetland pony. She said that Billy picked up the baton and began to make accurate predictions. The really nice thing is it's the goat doing a psychic reading, Zacharias explained, People do become uh, calm when they stroke Billy. It's like an epiphany. He's hugely popular. When people come to see him, they can't believe he's a fortune-telling goat, the owner said.
0: Hmm. Someone's got to work on targeting, but anyhow.
1: Yes, Billy's predictions come just days before the coronation of King Charles III, which is set for Saturday, May 6, at Westminster Abbey. The ceremony marks the official transfer of power to Charles after his mother, Queen Elizabeth II, died at age 96 in September. Earlier this month, it was announced that Harry will be in attendance, but without Markle. A recent report claimed that he would be sitting ten rows back from his estranged family at the ceremony.
0: Let's see how the coordination goes. Oh, shit oh Uh-oh. first up we have the star card trying to found balance however we do have a sacrifice someone's been thinking too long too hard we have everyone stressing out and worrying with the ten of swords followed up by the eight of swords meaning that this is a routine event that is basically trapped you have to do exactly as you say what i find interesting is the emperor's card hit here and the final outcome. Now, the Empress card is femininity, birth. I also feel like there might be a announcement of a new royal child shortly after the coronation. Oh. And that of is. course, King of Pentacles is our final outcome card, chosen by the deck, meaning that british will see an increase in revenue, which is good. Which is good. Which is good. Okay. So, I don't get to play that game that, that often on this channel.
1: Hey, what? It's a good one. Oh, yes. All right. So, taking on the last one. Let's go for it. Let's go for it.
0: Um, we covered uh, the death, social media, lotto. No. That closing. Oh, let's talk Proud Boys, or should we say Disgrace Boys? Let's grab a sip and get on to that.
1: All right. All right, so from NBC News, Proud Boys blame Trump as defendants prepare to find out fate in sedition trial. An attorney, an attorney for Enrique Terrio, the head of the Proud Boys, told jurors prosecutors were using him as a scapegoat for Donald Trump. Jurors will begin deliberations on Wednesday. So uh, attorneys for the Proud Boys place blame for the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol on Donald Trump in closing arguments in their seditious conspiracy trial tw- Tuesday. An attorney for Enrique Tarrio, the head of the Proud Boys, said federal prosecutors were trying to make him a scapegoat for Donald J. Trump and for those in power. A lawyer for Joe Biggs said the defendants came to Washington because their commander-in-chief told them that it would be wild, referring to Trump's infamous tweet on December 19, 2020, that called on supporters to come to Washington on January 6. Be there, it's going to be wild, the commander-in-chief said. And so they did. Norm Pattis, an attorney for Biggs, told jurors, adding that their commander in chief sold them a lie. Terrio, Biggs, and fellow Proud Boys Ethan Nordine, Dominic Pozzola, uh, and Zach Rell each face at least nine counts, including seditious conspiracy, a rarely used Civil War era law. The trial has been underway for more than three months, and jury selection began in December 2020. The government said in closing arguments Monday that the Proud Boys wanted to be Donald Trump's army and were thirsting for violence and organizing for action ahead of the January 6th attack. The defense lawyers wrapped their closing arguments early Tuesday afternoon, and the Justice Department presented its rebuttal argument. As the day came to a close, jurors will begin deliberating Wednesday. Two defendants testified during the trial, Rell and Pazola. Just before Rell was set to be cross-examined, online sleuths surfaced videos that appeared to show him deploying a can of pepper spray on officers. Pazola got heated on the stand, bringing up conspiracy theories about another January 6th participant, Roy Epps, or Ray Epps, excuse me, and ranting about the fake charges in the phony trial. Biggs' lawyer Pattis told jurors that January 6 was a perfect storm and that Trump played a large role. If the case of United States v Donald J Trump is ever brought, Pattis said, the fight uh, the fight like hell quote would be a- exhibit 1. But Trump wasn't on trial, he said. Defense attorney Naib Hassan, representing Terio, also pointed the finger at Trump saying his anger caused what happened on January 6 and reminding jurors that Trump said, fight like hell, or his supporters weren't, quote, going to have a country anymore. Hassan even partly blamed the membership of the Proud Boys on Trump, saying Trump's stand-back and stand-by call-out to the group brought new attention to the Proud Boys, and they grew so quickly that vetting became difficult. Hassan said Terio couldn't have known what was going to happen at the Capitol from a hotel in Baltimore, he was holed up on january 6th unlike his co-defendants terrio didn't go to the Capitol on january 6th after he was banned from washington the day before terrio couldn't have predicted the future hassan said showing a photo of nostradamus he reminded jurors that terrio was in communication with a washington metropolitan police officer in the months leading up to january 6th and even told the police official where he would be staying in washington Why, Hassan asked, would Terrio give an officer that information if he was going to commit sedition, one of the most serious crimes against the U.S.? Enrique was an entertainer, a lover, and a razzle-dazzler, Hassan argued. Assistant U.S. Attorney Nadia Moore said in the government's rebuttal that it was more than just talk. Enrique, Enrique Terrio isn't being scapegoated for January 6th. He's being held accountable for the crimes he committed, Moore said, after having shown a video posted on Parlor in which Terrio stood in front of the Capitol wearing a mask. Premonition, he titled the video. Yeah!
0: Again, warming the tar now.
1: I, basically, 2020 is when they started jury selection. It is now... December 2020 is when they started jury selection. It is now April 25th, 2023. Right. This is how long it has taken to get through this.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of facts. I think it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Um, Six defendants, six lawyers, plus the state. I say warm up the uh, tar and get the feathers ready. I mean, it's plucking season. Hey, there you go. You know, comment about, oh, I was held up in the hotel. Why were you even in the hotel? Why were you in constant communication? Why were you using walkie-talkies from the hotel, commanding them from your hotel?
1: Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of things wrong with with the argument they're making. But, yeah, he, he's, he's trying to claim he was trying to blow the whistle, that he was trying to stop this, that he was trying to do, like, he got in... Basically, the argument they're making is, like, he got in over his head. And? Basically. And I'm sitting here going, well, duh. Right. And, <laughs> I mean, duh. Um, but more to it, like, no, you were you're into this. Had you not been barred from Washington, you would have been right. there. Despite all of this going on. Um, quite frankly, I think you were more so bragging to police. Right. Um, more than anything. Right. Or looking for police support or you right, know because we basically know half, the, buddy.
0: half the people there, about half. Well, we'll go one third, police officers, military, or some other trained operation. Mm-hmm. That has already been confirmed, including West Virginia State Senator, who's apparently running again, by the way. I hope Evans doesn't get it because it's a disgrace to this world. Not just this country, but the world. All right. So let's take a drink and then we'll find out if you're an asshole. All right.
1: All right, am I the asshole for not sharing my late son's life insurance with his girlfriend? My son, Eric, passed away in an accident in October of last year. He was 33. He wasn't married, but he lived with his girlfriend, Emily, of only two years. She just turned 30. They purchased their home together in June of last year. The house was 525000 and they put down 225000 they each paid half the down payment and had been splitting the mortgage equally, as well as the rest of their bills. She makes about $80,000 per year after taxes. The house mortgage is $1775 per month. My son has a life insurance policy that paid out $750,000. About six months before he passed, my son mentioned that he was thinking about proposing, but it would be a few years before we, uh, before they actually married in a later conversation he mentioned plans to update his life insurance because he wouldn't want to leave a wife with nothing that's all that was ever said about it obviously he passed before he ever decided to propose this means the entire life insurance went to me and my wife my wife and i are both in our late 50s we usually do okay financially but losing our son has completely shaken our worlds And we've been taking some time off work to process and grieve. This money will allow us to pay off the rest of our mortgage, take stress off our lives while we grieve, and hopefully retire a couple years earlier than we intended. We both have medical struggles, so this is a big deal. Our other son, Mike, came over for dinner yesterday, and we mentioned that we received his life insurance payout. He went quiet for a minute and asked how much we're going to give Emily. We explained that we have good intentions to use the money to make our lives easier going forward. That is why our son left it to us to help out should anything tragic happen. Later, uh, after he left, Mike said he understands that we're grieving, but we're selfish and narcissistic for not considering how tough this is for Emily and not even helping her by giving her enough to pay off his share of the house, if not the whole mortgage. He said, "We're kidding ourselves if we think Eric would have wanted this." I've tried to keep emotions out of it and stick to the facts. All of us, my wife, son, rest of the family, and Emily, are absolutely devastated by Eric's passing. I don't want people to think I'm heartless. Um, so, too long didn't to read. Uh, my late son left his life insurance to my wife and I. Am not not sure if we're going to be at, if we're being assholes by not letting his girlfriend have some of it to help with expenses edit just for clarification the house they bought was expensive but they paid more for the view shitty house on a gorgeous river than the property my son rented it for three to four years before it was a put up for sale and after one and a half years of memories in it together they couldn't walk when it went up for sale the house itself is outdated and far from a dream home for either of them they had plans to build a new one when they eventually paid off the mortgage and just plan to make do in the meantime. You're an asshole. I oh I I have to agree you're an asshole. I I mean I, I understand your son's intentions when he listed you on his insurance. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that had they had he have proposed and had he have gotten married and had he have changed his beneficiary, he probably would have taken out additional insurance that, you know, one of you is a beneficiary for one and his wife is the beneficiary for the other. Again, none of that happened. However, they did purchase a house together. They purchased the house together.
0: They lived together. They shared expenses together. They were Mm -hmm. acting as married husband and wife. And you're an asshole.
1: Yes. Yes. Because she's stuck and potentially in a really horrible position. Mm Mm-hmm um because you know they've only they were only together for two years um and so effectively the they they bought the house a year and a half ago Mm -hmm. she has to make at least three and a half years worth of payments before she can sell it and avoid capital gains right and she makes 80k per year with a 1775 per month mortgage I will say that it sounds like they bought the house, bought a house they could afford and don't right. think they ever thought about anything happening immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, at least not at this point in her career. And at least not at like this, this quickly. Right. Um, I think this was rather sudden and unexpected and yeah. Well, yeah, it was an accident in October.
0: Right.
1: Um, oh. Ugh. I, I gotta say, I understand your desire with your medical situation, even your son's desire for you to use the money so you can retire and not have to worry. Right. But I, I think I would at least try to give her something Right. like point blank. Tell her like what the situation is, like talk to her, right? And you may be in a situation where she's like, no, I'm fine. You know, I I can do this. Right. And I understand his wishes and that's what he wanted. And, you know, you can relay that to Mike. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: What gets me is they even tried to take the house. What? Yeah. The title in the house has them as joint tenants with rights of survivorship. My wife and I looked into it. Not too long ago, because we weren't sure who technically owned his half of the house, Emily, or his next kid. Emily owns the house. Okay. Well, I mean. Just like families I've seen before, money grabbing, you know, fuck the partner.
1: Well, I mean, this is the unfortunate reality, though, is they jumped into a major financial decision Mm -hmm. without protecting themselves. Right. Like that, like, unfortunately, the point in which you're buying a house is a really great time Mm -hmm. to look at your other, you know, financial arrangements and be like, is this gonna actually rock what should happen? Mm -hmm. What I want to have happen. Right. Should something horrible occur? Right. Um, you know, this, this is just, this is a really tragic situation I I can understand his parents' pain um, and and even them feeling like, you know, they deserve the money. This was his intent. Unfortunately, that was his intent a few years ago, probably before he met Emily, before he looked at buying a house. Unfortunately, he never looked at this again. Right. Like, I, I really wish when he went in to put a mortgage on this house, his insurance agent had tackled him. Mm -hmm. And said, look, dude. Like, you might be leaving Emily with a house she can't afford. Right. You know, or you're going to put your parents in an awkward position because they're going to potentially feel guilty about this. um, That they're getting all the money and you're not. Right. Um, Of course, then again, I mean... Effectively, the parents got a windfall that I don't think the son, really, I don't think at 33, you're one, at 33, you're not expecting to to die of anything.
0: Well, working in heavy equipment. Ah. You did.
1: Hmm. One should, yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's just tragic.
0: I mean, it's tragic, but this is what I see happen so many ways in gay culture before we had supposedly the right to marry. we Don't. mm -hmm. Um, And now apparently it's happening in straight culture because you're not married, so you're not the wife, so you don't get the inheritance.
1: Yeah, because that's going to be almost a quarter of her income. Yeah. Like, that's a little tight. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it may be one of those situations if you talk to her, mm-hmm. you know, she might in the immediate right appreciate just a little bit of support. Yeah. You know, like as in she she's probably nowhere in her dreams thinks she's going to get 750,000 from you nor does she even really even want half. Right. Or or some other large percentage of this money? Right. Um but I'm sure that, that suddenly faced with his death and all the expenses, well, I don't know I I don't know if they paid for the funeral or not right. Um, but just the the sudden slap in the face, you you thought you had this great life all picked out and all these things and you you know bought a house and you know all of that and you go from a two-income household right down to a one income household while also struggling just like his parents are mm-hmm. with the loss of your boyfriend
0: right and it was clear that the boyfriend intended to change the beneficiary
1: well but he even the way he said it though seemed very like well when we get married and well you know i'm going to wait a while to get married and mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that it totally, uh, it sounds like their relationship might have been a little fancy no. for a while.
0: Yeah, it looks to me like it was more so they were doing the thing that I see often in straight couples is when our dad is a manageable right to join it together.
1: Well, and yeah, pay off, you know, or pay down the house, get some raises, make some job moves, do the right. things, and then get to a point that you can take on the big expense of a wedding, because right. it looks like he didn't expect anything from his parents. Right. But yeah, I, like, I would almost want to know more about Emily's financial p- position. I don't think the financial position matters to shits. Well, but here's my thing, though. If, is assholes well the family is an asshole, but i like granted she's making 80k per year after taxes so that's that's her net take home right um yeah this this mortgage is a quarter almost a quarter it's a good Mm fifth no it is a good quarter sorry excuse me of her income which is a little on the high side right um i mean that, that that could be a struggle for anyone Um, not a huge struggle. Like it's, I, I don't think she's going to lose the house, but uh, it would be a little crunchy. Um, but I'm also sitting here going, you know, if she's, cause she had at least 112,000, a hundred and, what is that? Uh, 112,500 for half the mortgage
0: hmm
1: or half the down payment right ah uh, that's why i say i wonder about her financial position maybe you know she she's doing a lot better right and has socked away a lot of money has some really solid investments and like yes she works and makes 80k per year but she may be getting additional income that's why i'm saying definitely talk to emily well, that that's i got to go with this, but no. I think you're an asshole if you just take the money and run.
0: Well, I think she's an asshole and, and definitely.
1: Well, I definitely think they're assholes for not even wanting to, to uh, like not even thinking it.
0: Well, not only that, but they tried and had to go and research the deed because it's the only way you can find out the survivorship of it mm-hmm. to see if he owned it, if they owned half the house now or if it was whole. We
1: well but if it, be, it sounds like they became the like a de facto executor or a named executor of a will and you do have to go find that information out mm-hmm. like you have to figure out it, like what's the status of the house is it part of the probate or is it does it bypass probate right because the no matter how much they felt for her right. and her situation if it's part of probate they have to claim it well again. like there there would be no way around it
0: right but again they're assholes you yeah. go oh she's just the girlfriend like he saw her every other friday night once a week just the girl Yeah,
1: no, sorry he bought a house together like yeah. i i i kind of have to take that as you you're all but paperwork married exactly I mean, I'm sorry, it's really hard to claim someone doesn't have strong feelings for someone if you get them to put up Mm $112,500 to buy a house together. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I could argue that if some, potentially, if someone moved into someone's place. Right. And like everything in it was, was theirs. Everything was, was paid for by them. Right. And, you know, the, the, the girlfriend like kept her own place or, you know, didn't really move in. Right. I could see the argument there that like, okay, that's a little different. Yeah. Um, But no, this is pretty serious. Mm -hmm. Like this is all but married. They just did it out of order and without any legal protections. Like, again, I'm really annoyed that his insurance agent did not just tackle him on that one and be like, dude, dude, you got to up your insurance game.
0: Right. And, you know, what I find even more disturbing is we get to retire a few years early. Mm hmm. For the loss of our son, and you're frozen again. Hey, Joe. We're going to take a commercial break.
1: yeah Hey, there I am. I'm back. Welcome back. Man,ny back.
0: Let's take a break, and then we'll. The poll is up on Ace and Knight YouTube. Vote if they are the asshole or not. And when we come back, we'll be talking dating advice.
4: All right. Hi, this is Sandy Starr. I'm a psychic and I work on Keen, and I have been working on Keen for over 22 years. You can reach me on 01068. I deal with a myriad of subjects, but I do specialize in relationships, marriages, divorces, is he cheating, is she cheating? Whatever the dynamic of the relationship is, I will guide you through. I've got amazing radar for cheaters, (laughs) so I will tell you the truth if he or she is cheating. I can help with any subject you need me to help you with besides relationships and I look forward to hearing from you. Again, you can reach me through Keen and my extension number is 01068. I really look forward to hearing from you and helping you with whatever you need me to help you with.
3: Hi, I'm Tracy Van. I'm a psychic medium and I work with tarot cards. I also pras- practice Reiki and access bars. I would like to share with you what a reading with me is like. It is a blended reading of psychic and mediumship. And I deliver these messages exactly as they come through. I'm not going to mince words or add any padding. I am a professional, reliable and honest communicator I have readings available anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour. You can book a reading with me at TracyVan.com. That's T-R-A-C-Y-V-A-N-N.com. And no, I'll always tell you exactly what you need to hear.
5: Hey, everybody. Natalie here from The Pendulum's Path. If you are in need of guidance, direction, spiritual connection, healing or more, you would come to the right place. I have worked as a psychic and a medium for over three years, connecting people from all over the world with their loved ones, giving them insight and guidance into their current situations, their past healings, their blockages, and what they need to know in order for them to have a better future. It would be my absolute honor if you would come to my website at www.thependulumpath.com visit my shop. I have a whole bunch of crystals, oils, balms, mystery boxes, and more. And visit my services. I offer 15-minute, 30-minute, and 60-minute sessions. I also have email readings available if you're not comfortable with the one-on-one session with me, or if you just want to try me out. I encourage you to come visit me at The Pendulum's Path, and let's get you back on the right track today.
2: Hey everybody Lady Gwendolyn here from Rowan Temple of Light and I'm here to tell you about our events this summer. First up is Beltane in the Hills May 13th and that is from 1 to 6. We have entertainment, we have a, a bunch of vendors, we have a fairy photo shoot. It's gonna be exciting. If you having any questions uh, reach out to Earth Magic or to myself. Um, after that we have uh, Central West Virginia Pagan Pride August 19th that's at Holly Gray Park from 11 to 5 for the day and we will have Sarah Masters coming down from Pittsburgh to be our keynote speaker We have some great classes for that So if you want to get involved reach out to Rowan Temple of light at gmail or, Just follow us along on Facebook at Rowan Temple of Light, and we look forward to seeing you out in the community. See you there.
0: All right, welcome back. Make sure to check out this event. All right, let's move on over to relationship advice.
1: Yes. Am I, female 27, wanting to move in with my boyfriend, male 33, too fast? We have been together around six and a half months. We both rent places within 20 minutes of each other. He is moving into a new place also very nearby in June. My lease runs out in July, so I will need to find a place for an August move in. By then it will be close to nine months we've been together and I'm wondering if that's too soon to move in together. He hasn't suggested it and I don't wanna pressure him, but also we have both been tight on money for a while And his new place is big enough for two and rent shared between two would be great. Is nine months too soon? We are very intense and have both said we think this relationship could be the one and last forever. Never felt like this before, etc. Is the fact he hasn't even mentioned the possibility of us living together soon a sign he isn't as serious as he makes out? Maybe I could rent somewhere short-term, month-to-month, then suggest it once we hit the year mark? Am I being way too keen?
0: Yes, you are. My rule is two years.
1: Well, that's your rule.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> Have I always called that rule? No. <laughs>
1: but
0: we were together two years before.
1: Were we? I thought it was okay. I thought we were a little shy of the two years. No, we were right on two years. Oh, okay. Uh. I, I. Sorry, I've known people that have basically barely met, they're a month or two in, and then it always seems like there's sometimes a tragedy or whatever that will throw them together into the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, It doesn't sound like you're really hitting tragedy level, even though you are tight on money. Right. Sure. Um, though then again, being tight on money is never a good time to just, like, move in together. Right. Sure. Like that tends to, mm, you think it will make everything better. Not always. Right, um sometimes that that becomes a bit of bit more stress on the relationship than if you're living independently um so but by the time this would all take place, it's gonna be about nine months., uh, I still think it's a touch fast for not being in an urgency right, like I wouldn't take it as a sign he's not serious, however. I mean, I I still think you're a little early on to be serious, 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 serious. If that's a thing. Um, Because I think there's levels of seriousness. Right. Um, And I think there are graduated stages in a relationship and you should be more concerned um, when people do try to rush you because usually that doesn't work out. Right. Granted, that is typically because they're rushing you for a reason, usually to right. take advantage of you in some way. Right. Um, such as, you know, really crappy partners that want to, you know, whirlwind you into, you know, being stuck in their life. And then you find out who they really are. Right. Um, like that's, that's classic narcissist trait that like the, the whirlwind romance that quickly turns into, you know, living together and a marriage and suddenly you're like six months together, you've done all the things and then you're suddenly seeing who someone is. Um, so yeah, uh, but it doesn't sound like that applies either. Mm -hmm. don't know that I'd recommend you go short-term, month-to-month. Right. Like, that's going to be expensive, and you're already tight on money. Like, I think you're trying to plan for this to all occur Right. at a predestined point. Like, you have a one-year pisser, get off the pot and it looks like you know you're willing to go okay well it's nine months i'll take a a month-to-month apartment for three yeah no
0: on that
1: that. again wait year two like go ahead and take a full one-year lease um if a year from then you are still together I won't call it too soon. I think it would make, but it would more logically flow is look, you signed a year lease in June last year. I signed a year lease in July of last year. Are we getting together or not? Exactly. That's when I would have that conversation for right. sure.
0: Now I like Shannon mm-hmm. and I like her viewpoint. No one asked me my advice. Third day <laughs> we talking about moving in together. And you were what together, 20 years? Aren't y'all guys going on your 20-year anniversary? Well, this is true.
1: This is true. Yeah. I mean, again, sometimes it, it, like, a lot of, well, I guess a lot of times, technically, it works out. Right. But that's when both are into it. Not when you're young. mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And typically that happens on both sides. Like, it, because again, it's a natural thing. And you both, both may be, a, or should be perhaps, mm-hmm. at least it sounds like he is, is hesitant to call this the one. Well, and
0: here's the other thing. it's should I mean, be a unnecessary for the other house, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Why are we paying rent on two places? You're never at your place.
1: Yeah. You're always... Of course. Then again, I, I I found out while I was in college uh, through, through office gossip, uh, one of my professors actually kept an apartment just off campus for no nefarious reason. Mm-hmm. He just never wanted to be without a place of his own. Right. Like him and his wife had been married for decades. Right. And he just wanted his place. And he basically used it as a giant garage. Mm-hmm. He stored everything there. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was kind of funny, kind of cool, kind of amazing, you yeah. know, to, to have that kind of financial uh, uh, disposability to drop money on rent every month mm-hmm. and keep a place for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just... I I don't know I I think some people are built that way as well right yeah probably the stuff she wouldn't let in the house he kept there huh yeah yeah, probably Um, wouldn't surprise me the least if it were over glorified man cave would not have surprised me but it was one of those moments where I did have to kind of think about it for a second because my first reaction was like okay what are you doing uh-huh. Um, then it was like, okay, it, it sounds fairly innocent, you know, like, cause God knows the place was not for entertaining, um, at all from what well, I heard is it was packed floor to ceiling. Well, like, you could barely move through it.
0: I've thought about renting an apartment. We've talked mm-hmm. about getting a second house. Um, we have, I've thought about renting an apartment and just made my office there.
1: Well, and we even at one point talked about and I forget what the impetus was, but anyway, there was something kind of earlier on mm-hmm. that we actually had a conversation about like getting me an apartment.
0: Yeah. No, that and- was a decision We were trying mm-hmm. to figure it. and the plan was if you did not start your business that you were going to get a job and I'm like, well, most likely you're going
1: work in Clarksburg or Charleston, we'll get you an apartment. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm so there was that um yeah. but no i thought there was another version of that conversation too like we had that one i remember that one right and that was just logical it's like i'm not driving right from clarksburg to oak hill or clarksburg to charleston or uh, mm-hmm. excuse me charleston to oak hill as a daily commute
0: right i mean it's an hour uh, and a half of hell
1: um, yeah, no, sorry. I gave yeah, that
0: shit up. Of, you know, well, maybe you want to just get an apartment. Maybe we should get an apartment together. Maybe yeah. there was like negotiations all the way around.
1: Yeah. And sometimes that's, that's a thing is even with right. a place, you still need another place. Right. And there are many couples that are very happy in two different households, sometimes states away and sometimes not for really work reasons exactly just because i do know someone whose parents uh live in two very different states right uh one is west virginia one is in florida Uh Um, and, and quite frankly they're just both happy with where they individually live right For what it offers them, because it fits their lifestyle, and neither of them wants to give that up, and they can afford to do it. Right. So, one has a very nice coastal home in Florida, Mm -hmm. and the other has a very nice home in West Virginia near where he works. Yep. And that's how they roll. Yep. They're a very happily married couple. Mm hmm i am like kudos to them, like, for making that work out. Like, she comes in, he goes down, like, you know. Right. But, right. um, yeah, it keeps them with everything they want to do and where they are in their life. Right. You know, and, you know,
0: one of these days I'll have the old cabin and I'm, just saying, I'm going to the cabin.
1: I do like Shannon's response. If it's more than half an hour, I'm finding a new place to work.
0: Oh, God, I used to drive an hour and a half because I used to do Thomas about three times a month
1: just for the, and I'd do a 24, uh, it was a 48-hour run. But. Mm-hmm. Well, now, granted, I, I'm still traumatized by North Carolina, mm-hmm. and, and I should, uh, should mention that. Depending upon when I left home or when I left work, yeah. I either had a 25-minute commute to work or a two-hour commute to work. Right. Because there was there was literally a divider line of 7.07 a.m. If I were not in the car pulling out at 7.07, mm-hmm. it was going to take me two hours to get to work. I could guarantee it. Yeah. If I left bef- by then or before, I could be to work in 25 minutes. I know that run. I know that run very well. I-40 was a nightmare. Right. Like, let me tell you the crap that happens. It well, is know,
0: 70 and two in the 270 <clears> day <throat> is a fucking nightmare, and Chandler will confirm this. Like, <laughs> 20 minutes to get anywhere. I, you know, I work at Chase, and I lived one exit up. It would be a good 30 minute to an hour and a half, depending on which way I took to get to work. And I was one exit up.
1: Yeah, well, and that was the flip side on leaving is from the very beginning, I, I made the mistake for the first week, I left at five when I was supposed to. All right. And I very quickly abandoned it. And my boss just kind of looked at me like, why are you staying late every day? All right. And I, I said, point blank, I can either waste an hour and a half trying to get home, All right, or I can work for an hour and a half and be home in 25 minutes. All right. One, right. I figure it's worth it to just sit here. Like, at least I'm not in traffic. (laughs) (laughs) Shannon says, "My mom always wondered how I beat her to work every day. My ass learned to not take freeway." (laughs) (laughs) I understand that one. I really do. There was a back way that I could get to the office, but I'll tell you, it got just as like because the back way to my office also had intersection points with uh uh seven uh, with uh 40 as mm-hmm. in multiple on ramps mm-hmm. the traffic would back up so bad the intersection would block and you'd get stuck for just as long right but yeah i could i could take the back way up to 7 hmm and get the get to work on time. Like if I left the house at 7.15 in the morning right. and I took the back way, I could still avoid most of the slowdown. Right. Um, as long as I was in the car by 7.15 and took the back way. Right. But if, again, it was another break point is at 7.16, I'm going to hit every blocked intersection on the way in. It's going to take me just as long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh Hudson, all the way down and hang a right, and then and I just make one more turn. Now is there? Went that way to get my uh, to my apartment when my grandparents sent me up there to stay with her. Uh, oh, side roads gotta love them. Yeah. They can be very useful. They can
0: very well be useful. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, it's time for the rolling, and you are the asshole.
1: Oh, I'm the asshole. I think us we all saw that coming. Yeah. Yeah, that was just terrible.
0: All right, replay crew, let us know what you drank during the show, what your drink order was. And as always, I'll be on network later. You can reach me at asynight.com for a private appointment. I may be playing over on Moonlight later on. Ooh, yeah. And let's see. Um, I will be back with coffee and tea with Natalie. And who knows what we'll dive into? Should be spicy as normal. Mm-hmm. And with that, we will roll that beautiful new footage.
1: <laughs> so, of course, we want to thank Beverly Walker, Mika G., Kathy, Mary Winfield, Brenda, Shannon C., Shannon D., Lady Gwendolyn, Charles Shaw, Tracy Van, Caitlin Bell, and Devin. If you'd like to learn more about us, the show, or how you, too, can become a Patreon sponsor and receive all the wonderful benefits our baristas receive, please visit us at PCSPnetwork.com. Yes, i ask Good night.